Thank you to the team for that opening. Let's just open with a brief word of prayer. Dear God, our Father, we are before you as the risen Lord. Just humble ourselves in your presence by your word and by your spirit as we seek to know your mind and your will for us even during this hour. And for the week that's ahead, we commit ourselves to you afresh. In Jesus' name, amen. The question before us this morning is, are you fittingly dressed? Yeah, not so bad. I won't critique you if you don't critique me. The picture that's before you is from July 30, 30, 31st, 1971. And how to be dressed on that momentous day for Peggy and I was, uh, was a big deal for sure. Leading up to this momentous commitment, Peggy and I nervously prepared for that day and for the life that we, we would share together. That moment totally changed our lives. The re- dressing in the right uh, clothing for the 70s, I hope we did a reasonably good job of that. <laughs> But being dressed for the life that was to come uh, was the real big change. I'm not going to spend any more time on those changes for us in particular. From that day, we uh, made a committed relationship that led uh, to the changes that were before us. Since that moment of our marriage vows, we can look at that, that those vows that we made as an anchor point, as a as a stake in the ground, as a, as a remembrance of what we committed to that day, that we would live together and, you know, all the vows we, we made at that time. And we can continue to look back at those very specific uh, commitments we made uh, to the uh, faithfulness that would, we would be to each other and the love that we would continue to commit to uh, over the years ahead. From the moment every Christian makes a vow to the Lord to accept Jesus as our Savior and to live for him as our Lord is also a momentous point in life which forms the beginning of what we want to talk about uh, this morning. The Apostles' uh, third chapter to the church at Colossae uh, helped them, I'm sure, as he outlined what it meant uh, to be the Lord's. And we're trusting in God that he would show us this morning how we can be appropriately dressed for the occasion of of our Christian life. The verses that I've highlighted uh, partly from last week's message by our brother David. Verse 1, Since then you have been raised with Christ, set your hearts on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. I've highlighted three therefores in the text that's before. It is before us, and they're very crucial in the structure of what we're trying to understand together. The first since, or the first therefore, is when we first accepted Christ as our Savior. What happened? It was all of God. Ours was simply that opening up to the grace of God that found us and reached us and brought us to an awareness that we needed salvation from Him, and we needed Him in our lives. And from that point on, we came into a new relationship with God. No longer his enemies, we became part of his family. 
And we could go through that in a great deal of, uh, of detail about what changed in our lives in terms of our position. We are now, as this verse says, we, where Christ is seated, we have been raised with him. We are his family. We are his forever. We are going to be with him in eternity. We have eternal life. And I just want to continue uh, to share those blessings. That means, therefore, that we should live in light of this future before us. We should put our minds and set our hearts on the, on, on the Lord and all that he has promised to us in this life and the life that is to come. Verse 5 says, Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature. That's the second, therefore, that structures our passage. We need to put away the things of the earthly nature, the sinful nature, the things of our past that impeded us in our relationship with the Lord, and put those away, far away. Put them away is the, is the picture we have. Uh, and we'll talk a little bit more about that in a moment. But Dave, David covered that last week. Verse 12, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. The hope that we had when we first made our vows to the Lord in salvation are full of the hope of the future and what he has for us. This image of heaven is the place that we're looking forward to being in the future age. And that helps us understand and drive who we are to be in the current age, in the current present of our lives. I've entitled this slide, The Best Brackets Possible. The Apostle Paul often brackets the things he has to say with a beginning before the bracket and the end after the bracket. When you use brackets in common English usage today and you're writing something, you put in brackets what? You're reading along and somebody puts a bracket up, for opening bracket, okay, what's in there clarifies what has come before and uh, tries to clarify it in a specific way. Brackets are also used in physical chemistry, and I'm not going to give a talk on physical chemistry because it would be very short. But I remember back when we were doing uh, analytical chemistry and the dynamics of chemical reactions, there were two square brackets. And inside those brackets were defined the elements, the constituents that made up the particular pile of mud that was in front of you on the lab table. The constituents. What comprises you? What comprises me is inside the brackets. And that's what we want to look at this morning. But Paul begins with encouragement. He starts with verse 1. We have already read it. Christ is in heaven. You're his. This is the new now. And at the end of the chapter, our, our segment this morning, verse 24 since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward, it is the Lord Christ you are serving. So what's coming ahead in what he's saying has, is also full of hope and encouragement. You are the Lord's. Then what, is to constitu- what are to be the constituents of your life in this new now that came, it is coming to you from God and is to displace what you were without God. The first brackets were the best possible. Paul does the same thing with the worst brackets possible. 
He begins by talking about the wrath of God who is coming against all the ungodliness and unrighteousness of man. My purpose is not to scare you into heaven today, but our purpose, the purpose of Paul was to remind ourselves that all of that sinful nature, all of the sin that's contained and flows from the sinful nature is subject to the wrath and anger of God and his displeasure. On the other side of the brackets is verse 25 in our chapter. Anyone who does wrong will be repaid for his wrong, and there is no favoritism. We escape the wrath of God, how? By being in Christ. We live for him, inside the brackets, displacing the old nature uh, with what could happen if the old nature continues and it's displaced by anyone, or it is uh, the negative side of the bracket, sorry, anyone who does wrong will be repaid for his wrong and there is no favoritism uh, by God. So that big change. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with these things. Now this is not a before and after of... uh, of Jim's company, nor is it uh, my an, an ongoing story about our marriage together. <laughs> uh, it is about the before you were a Christian, now that you are a Christian. You are to throw out that clothing from that locker place that you had before you were married to God. It included my university jacket and some other traumatic things for me. But afterwards, we are to have a, a brand new a set of clothing. We learned last week that we, those, that clothing is not the way we talk about clothing so much. It's not like we have a current wardrobe that we kind of put back in the closet or we put it in the wash in case we need it again. That clothing was to be burnt up, put to death, says Paul. It is to be destroyed. It is to be erased from your brain and your memory. Both. So that's the picture that we have of the, uh, the big change, uh, what we're leaving behind. Now the question is, uh, what shall we now wear? <laughs> I, I just hesitate to put this next slide up, but I, di- I also didn't put any images up. But before you get dressed in the morning, so to speak, you are to wear nothing until. Verse 12 says, As God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved. So before we get dressed, we're to remember whose we are and how he loves us. And this is not just a one dressing time in the morning. What Paul is describing here is the process of sanctification. It is a process that goes on, hopefully, for each one of us from the moment we accepted Christ as Savior until we meet him at death's, just after death's door, to be precise. We're, we're to um, recognize that that clothing that we are to put on are, are to become the constituents of our Christian nature. Yes, with our personality, with, with our gifts and talents, but wholly His. And that's what the new nature uh, is, is to look like. Remember 
at every occasion of, of joy, at every occasion of difficulty, of every occasion of, of uh, stress, of every uh, uh, situation of challenge, what clothing do, am I going to put on? Is it the old nature or is it the new clothing? That clothing is def- defined for us uh, by the Apostle Paul in summary. And when you read the list, compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience, we see that those are the very character attributes of the Lord Jesus Christ. When he was here on earth, he put the content on those summary descriptions of who he was. And we had a whole series on that uh, not very long ago. Was he compassionate? Yes, he was. Was he kind, humble, gentle, patient? Yes. The Lord also came as someone who knew that he was in the world of sin, that he was not, he was, he was sinless, he was holy, but he entered the world of sin to save and help us through. So he forgave us. And forgiveness was a part of his work and his mission when he was here and continues uh, for us today. Therefore, as God's chosen people, clothe yourselves with compassion and so on. Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. The Apostle Paul was fully aware of the, of the sin nature that he was dealing with in himself and with inside those he was speaking to. And for that, he said, bear with each other. Forgive the grievances you may have against one another and the quality of that, those, of that forgiveness is as the Lord forgave you. So the quality that, uh, of the, of the uh, virtues and values that the Lord had, his character, as the Lord was to us, compassionate, kind, humble, gentle, and patient, and also as the Lord was in his forgiveness of us. And then the, the verse reads, in verse 14, and over all these virtues put on love. It's the sash that binds our new wardrobe together that holds, us, holds all of these individual elements of character and all of those values together in something that has an observable result that we are to check in our own lives. Notice it. Over all these virtues, put on love. What does the love do? It binds all of these virtues together in perfect unity. So there's a, an aspect of how these individual things all relate together and interconnect together as the virtues that we have mapped into our new self and results in the kind of behavior that God is looking for in perfect unity one with the other, not only internally to, to our own self, but externally to the relationships of those around us. And we're going to look at those in a few moments. What are we now to wear? We are to wear our own mind and heart and our behaviors as if the image of the Lord Jesus Christ was imprinted on our brain and soul and value system and our, our living. How can I possibly dress like that when? The Apostle Paul now says, okay, here's the clothing. What will wearing that clothing look like as you live your lives as a Christian? Paul selects two spheres of practical, practical living for us all. The first one is the family. 
And the second one is the workplace. He could have done some other things, the football field or the soccer field or whatever else was going on, but these are the two that he selected. And we can surmise a little bit why. The family is the test tube of the assaying of what our life really is about. You can dress up like we all did today, come to church, look splendid, but when you get home, and the teenagers are, and you know the whole story, what is your character like then? That's what the Lord wants to see in us, a consistency that flows not from the situation we're in, but from what the Lord himself has mapped into our minds and hearts. Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Children, obey your, pres- your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not embitter your children, or they will become discouraged. I missed something on the last slide that I just want to go back to for a moment. I was looking forward to the next slide. It didn't show up. Notice the things that uh, we... I must have skipped this whole slide. Yes, I did. How can I possibly dress like that? Paul says a number of things. And I want you to notice, first of all, that they all begin with, uh, pretty much all of them begin with let. We expected a series of commands, didn't we? But what we have is a series of lets. And I need to find a little example of that. I want to tell a story that's uh, often told, and uh, it's told usually in the context of salvation. And it goes like this. A man was walking along a narrow path, not paying much attention to where he was going. Suddenly he slipped over the edge of a cliff. As he fell, he grabbed a branch growing from the side of the cliff, and he grabbed it and held on for dear life. Realizing that he couldn't hang on to that for very long, he called for help. A man, the man said, is anybody up there? The voice said, yes, I'm here. The man said, who is that? The voice said, the Lord. The man said, Lord, help me. The voice said, do you trust me? The man said the right thing. I trust you completely, Lord. The voice from God said, good, let go of the branch. Where's Wally this morning when you need him? What? I said, let go of the branch. Let go of the branch. And then the man said, after a long pause, is anybody else up there? <laughs> the, for salvation, that's, that's an obvious thing, I think, for us as we look at it. We can't work our way to heaven. We can't strive up the cliff. We can't do anything to help ourselves. We're sinners in his sight. We were his enemies. He died to save us and he offers salvation as a free gift. We have to let go and just have faith in him and in his promise for salvation. What I'm suggesting to you this morning in these let us is the situation is the same in the process of sanctification. That we can't Wear these types of clothes just by putting them on. We can't, you, we can't just 
remap our brains with, on, on our own. We can't just now think we know what's right and have the right wisdom for a particular situation. Paul is saying, let go and let God. Let go and let Him do the work in you. That doesn't mean we're without responsibility. Listen to what, uh, what Paul says. Let the love of Christ bind you. Let the peace of Christ rule you. Let the gratitude of your, uh, to your Father permeate you. Now, when most of us get up in the morning, we complain about the weather. Is that a thankful heart? Or we complain about having to go to work. Or we gripe about this or whine and complain about that. The Lord wants us to live a life of gratitude. Don't, uh, by the way, don't feel you're alone in this kind of thing. I'm with you. I have a little bit of a humorous story about the weather. I, I traveled a lot in, in deserts in mining countries. And one day a friend of mine was traveling with me. His name was, was Christian, and he doesn't mind me telling you that story. I'll probably send him this tape, actually, or whatever it is. And it had rained in the desert of Chile one day in the last year, and he was complaining about that. I said, Christian? <laughs> well, you know what I said. It doesn't matter where you go. They complain about this or that or the other thing. I want you to notice in the verses that we, we won't t- uh, read fully with, for the sake of time, but I underlined in each of these let us verses and be thankful, verse 15. And in verse 16, with gratitude in your hearts to God. And verse 17, giving thanks to God the Father. Is, that's a foundational aspect of receiving from God, and as we receive those things and let him conform our nature to his character, as we do that, always cement and mortar those events of his giving with gratitude to him. So this is what the Apostle Paul urges to us in the process of sanctification, and what a summary it is. Let the word of Christ dwell richly in you, be and do all in the name of our Lord Jesus. If we were to add one from this, and we could add many to Paul's summary, but if you read the companion passage, or a similar passage, and we'll be doing that in a few moments, from the book of Ephesians, uh, Paul, of course, talks to them in detail about the Holy Spirit of God as he uses the Word of God to transform our minds and and our, uh, our thinking. So how can we possibly dress like that? By letting... Christ himself infuse his, through our relationship with him, infuse his values, his character, his uh, gifts, everything that he's brought to us, Christian fellowship, and you can name them all, to transform our lives into the image of Christ and by that bring him glory. Okay, so we've, uh, we've asked the question, how can I possibly dress like that? In the case of the family, and the next verses are in the workplace. Slaves, obey your earthly masters in everything. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for men. And uh, stealing one verse from next week's talk, masters, provide your slaves. It's a continuation and the complimentary uh, exhortation by Paul uh, to the master's side of that equation. I don't know if you've followed your own conversation or the conversations close to you 
but I'm going to urge you to do this, not when I'm around. How many times do you use the words, yeah, but? They can't wait to interject what you said wrong or what they need to add to it to make it complete. Yeah, but. What we're trying to do as we study God's Word is to convert that reaction to Him, never mind to fellow Christians, to Him, to yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. The over, when we, just before we put up a little summary slide of what's left to come here, I just wanted to highlight a bit of structure here below the yeah, but yes, Lord, and I don't have my pointer handy. Maybe I do. We're going to have a slide, the next slide, that details this. And, and yes, we won't have the pointer. Uh, there's, there's categories across the top called the role, fathers, husbands, wives, and so on, children. And then I've got three, char- three different columns. And this is a suggested structure by which we study roles in Scripture. And I'm not an authority on this, and I'm putting that up as my interpretation and suggestion. And I'm going to introduce it this way. The question is, if you want to know about being a godly Christian husband, is all that the Bible teaches about that in the verses that talk about husbands? I'm going to let you digest that question for a moment. How many think the answer is yes? How many think the answer is no? (laughs) Okay, so what's the difference? For sure, look up the husbands or the wives or the masters or the slaves verses. But also look up the general obligations, the general exhortations that God uh, has to each Christian. We don't take off our, off our Christian obligations when we become a father. We're not to, anyway. We're to absorb in our character all of the elements of being a Christian. So we're mapping, first of all, who we are as Christians who happen to have this role of husband or wife or child or master or slave. Are you with me? Does that make sense? So that's what's going to come into this this. Uh, uh, Second column, as one to another because we're the Lord's. The next column is about role specific. We go to the chapters that teach us about generally being a husband in Scripture. What does that provide to you as your, as your role model and instructions and exhortations to follow? And then in the last part is how Paul or John or others will specifically apply both of those in tandem with each other uh, to correct people in a particular place. Now, it takes some work to unravel that and differentiate it, but it's also a part of the, of the interpretation of these things uh, that we have before us. So, uh, Paul outlines these, uh, these uh, spheres and roles as wives, husbands, children, fathers, slaves, and masters. Now, this is my suggested uh, overall responsibility that comes into this particular sphere. Not specifically for husband, but things that apply 
from which the others flow. What, what is required in Scripture for wives and husbands, generally, I'm going to suggest, can be summarized, and it could be summarized other ways, but love and submission. Children are to honor their parents. Fathers are to instruct in the Lord within their families. Both slaves and masters are to serve wholeheartedly as befitting, to, as befitting those who are children of our Heavenly Father. We serve Him first and on earth second, as fitting in the Lord. So if we can take those as the one another responsibilities we carry forward into these spheres, and let's just take, we have one moment to just, I want you to know where these are coming from. I want you to open your Bibles, please, to Ephesians chapter 5. And I'm going to give you an example, uh, and I can't do them all, but where, where these, uh, these summaries are coming from and why they're so important to us. Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 15, Be very careful then how you live. Give some instructions about foolishness and wisdom and uh, uh, being filled with the Spirit rather than wine. And then he says, be filled with the Spirit at the end of verse 18. Then I don't know what it says in your translations, but I want to give you the actual Greek, not Greek word, but the, the tense that's being used for the other ones. Verse 19 should read, I believe, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, comma, singing and making music in your heart to the Lord, comma, always giving thanks, and there it is again, to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, comma, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. And then in verse 22 uh, of this chapter is where I've taken the, the specific role responsibilities of husbands and wives as Paul expressed them, expressed them there. So from both the book of Colossians and Ephesians and guided by other chapters, the one another's are there, And then the role-specific thing that is said is that wives are instructed as as Christian wives to be in submission, building on the responsibility we have to submit to one another as members of of the one body, submission and reverence. Husbands, they are to love as Christ loved the church. And there's much more about husbands in that chapter as well, but the, uh, the head and so on. Children, obedience with honor. Fathers, training their children. Slaves, work as if for the Lord. Masters, provide as your master does for you. And then in the verses that we're dealing with this morning, you have the very specific correction that's being made in all of those uh, spheres of how we're to wear the right clothing in these different roles. Wives, as fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love without harshness. Can you see how that's working now? I'm I'm going to talk about husbands, not wives, so much. Husbands, your general obligation is to love your sister in the Lord who happens also to be your wife. And and for for a particular reason, likely, the way I'm reading this verse, is that in Colossians, the men were being quite harsh with their wives. That's not appropriate clothing for a Christian man. For all of these reasons, he is to be Uh, loving his wife as Christ loved the church, giving himself for her, helping to make her ready for the day when she's presented to, to Christ in the future promised time, holy and without blame. And 
as the Savior of the Lord loved the church, we are to love our wives and we're to do it without harshness. Does that apply to any of us here? That's what we need to ask ourselves. Are we wearing the right clothing in each of the life situations that God has placed us into? And live in those particular roles and spheres as if we are members of the same body and also living in accordance with what would be appropriate as those kind of people where their brains and their souls and their hearts are constituted by the Word of God, the Spirit of God, giving us the kind of character we should have as Christians and living in a way that brings glory to Him within these spheres and roles. Uh, Fathers, in your training of your children, do not embitter them. You are not to be treating them in such a way that they become discouraged. You are not to treat them in a way that they start to fall aside of respect of you. You are to be teaching them, bringing them up in the nurture and understanding of the God who loves you and has chosen you as a child as well to be brought up to know him and to uh, be mapped by the word of God and the spirit of God as well. Now, slaves and masters, we could spend a lot of time on this particular aspect uh, and how it applies to our world today. We don't have slaves and masters and so on. That relationship was something for that time, and I'm not going to spend any time on that because it's uh, a big matter over history, as we all know, as to what that meant. But I would like to to just say this, that the responsibilities given to Masters and slaves, if they were followed, would have probably eliminated the negative side of the master-servant-slave relationship much earlier than it was. If a Christian master was serving wholeheartedly as a master or as a supervisor or as an owner, providing to his employees as your master does for you and doing what is right and fair, the relationship would be so much different in the workplace where Christians are living as Christians in the workplace. All too often, we, and many of us have been guilty as an employee or an employer being a person who sets his clothing aside, Christian clothing aside, on Monday morning and starts to re-wear what they were wearing last Friday. What is required of us as Christians in this sphere is to be a corrected person who follows the specific roles within those spheres, and above all, remembers that we are members of one body, the body of Christ, where the Lord himself is seeking to mold us and make us into children worthy of the calling that he has given to us uh, to become his own people and to live and bring glory uh, to him. The uh, last slide is just a summary of all of this listing the Colossian behaviors. And in the background is the city of uh, the town, city of South Porcupine, Porcupine. And how does this apply here? And how does being made new in Christ appear here? The clothing that has our mind set on him, throwing off the old, dressing in the new, from the inside out, his character, his forgiveness, his love and unity, his peace, his word and his spirit. Heavenly Father, again, we just thank you for your love, for your goodness. We thank you that we can look at your word this morning. 
Thank you for your guiding spirit. Father, as we go about the rest of the day, we just pray that you would go forth before us. Father, we just pray that nobody would leave here without Jesus, without having committed their lives to him. And Father, for those of us who have, we just pray that you would help us just to live as we've been encouraged, a life of thankfulness, a life that reflects your love, that others may see it. And we ask in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. Amen.